Morning, guys. How we doing? Good? Great. Great. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Psalms. Um, while you're turning there, as Noah mentioned, uh, we do want your kids' pictures. Um, I'm turning mine in this week, and it would be weird and awkward if mine was the only one on the table when we get to the class. So, you know, spare me of that. Um, call mom, whatever you got to do, find a pick. And uh, I mean, I'd love to see Dennis as a five-year-old. I'd love to try to guess who he is. Yep. Mm-hmm. Handsome, for sure. Let's read Psalm 132 together. This is the word of the Lord. Remember, O Lord, in David's favor all the hardships he endured. How he swore to the Lord and vowed to the mighty one of Jacob, I will not enter my house or go into my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. Behold, we heard it in Ephrathah. We found it in the fields of Jar. Let us go to his dwelling place. Let us worship at his footstool. Arise, O Lord, and go to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. Let your priests be clothed with righteousness. Let your saints shout for joy. For the sake of your servant, David, do not turn away the face of your anointed one. The Lord swore to David a sure oath from which he will not turn back. One of the sons of your body I will set on your throne. If your sons keep my covenant and my testimonies that I shall teach them, their sons also forever shall sit on your throne. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. I will abundantly bless her provisions. I will satisfy her poor with bread. Her priests I will clothe with salvation, and her saints will shout for joy. There I will make a horn to sprout for David. I have prepared a lamp for my anointed. His enemies I will clothe with shame, but on him his crown will shine. Would you pray with me? Father, we marvel at your plan of redemption. Promises made and promises kept. Mysteriously, patiently, the secrets in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, revealed and uncovered in Jesus Christ. Lord, we confess our unbelief in your promises, that how we feel often carries the day not what you have said. May you bless us this morning with a renewed confidence that every word you have spoken is true. Every word you have spoken over us in Jesus Christ is true. In one sense, Lord, our job is simply to believe it we thank you, Jesus, that you died for our unbelief and sent your spirit to empower us to believe. You have the last word. 
Would you speak through me today to shepherd your flock, to encourage the faint-hearted, to challenge and rebuke the idle, and to help the weak. We ask in Jesus' great name. Amen. Well, we're coming to the end of the journey in Psalms of Ascent. Um, these Old Testament saints will soon reach their destination, God's dwelling place, Jerusalem, the temple, Zion. And as they get closer to the city and they're starting to ascend into the city as they're walking, they anchor their life in the promises of God. They anchor their life in the promises of God. Psalm 132 is the longest Psalm of Ascent by far. And here's what it does. It provides a concrete reason for hoping in the Lord. It provides a concrete reason for hoping in the Lord. All the problems, all the troubles that we've seen in these psalms, and just these psalms, these 15, lead to a call to hope in the Lord. So Psalm 130, Psalm 131, hope in the Lord from this time forth forevermore. Hope in the Lord. That's how the psalm ends. Okay? I want to, but how do I know that I can? How do I know that I won't get disappointed if I put my hope in the Lord? He has promised. He has promised to bring the Savior, the King, the Rock that we need, Jesus Christ. Believe in Him and you will be blessed abundantly. Here, a lot of people mock Christianity because they think it's just happy talk. You know, if you need that for you, like to feel better about life, if you need a God and you need a faith, like, by all means, go for it. But you do realize it's not true. You do realize it's a fairy tale. It's a myth. It's just something we created humanly to help us get through life. You do know that see it in movies all the time. Who are the Christians in movies, in pop culture? The nice, gullible rubes. You know, they, they're just, they'll believe anything. They're, they're, they're Pollyannas, they're, they're cheesy people who, who stupidly believe the stories of the Bible are true, but everybody else is in on the joke, just not them. Am I right? I'm so tired of that. That is not us. At least it should not be. It's not as e easy to dismiss Christianity if it's based on real promises that God has made. If there is a God and he has made promises and we're simply believing them, that's not that hard to dismiss because everybody recognizes making promises and keeping them is a good thing. It's important. Everyone recognizes that. We expect that. We expect a married couple to keep their vows. Well, you made promises. We appeal to that. You expect elected officials to honor their oath of office. You took an oath. We expect them to fulfill that. Kids expect you as parents to keep your promises, and if you don't, they let you know. But you promised. We all agree that it's very important and good to keep promises. I heard it on The Simpsons the other day, that great theologian, Homer Simpson. Bart and Lisa come into the room and ask if Homer's ready to take them to the lake. He says, no, it's 4 a.m., kids, go back to bed. 
but dad, you promised. Homer says, I promise you kids a lot of things. That's what makes me a good father. Elisa's like, no, Dad, if you keep your promises, you're a good father. Homer says, Lisa, that would make me a great father. Exactly. That's what we're saying as Christians. We have a great father, amen, who promises things and then keeps them. He's a great father. That's all we're saying in essence. If you want to know the essence of Christianity, there is a God, obviously, obviously, he's made promises in the Bible, which is divine, supernatural speech, obviously, and we're just choosing to believe him. We're choosing to believe him, take him at his word. We do that because of evidence. God is real, powerful, and good. Look around at creation. Look at the historical Jesus. Obviously. It's, it's, you, it's undeniable. If you have an, any kind of open mind, it is undeniable. Life or death, heaven and hell, is a matter of whether you believe God's promises. His good and gracious promises. Luther once said, it is the chief subject of all Holy Scripture, to know and understand God when He makes a promise. Yes. Is that how you read your Bible? I promise there will be no rhetorical questions today. I lied. There will be. <laughs> I'm glad somebody's paying attention, you know. Seriously, is that how you read your Bible? Are you looking for the promises? Are you thinking about, this is for me. In Christ, if I've trusted in Him. Friends, that's where the encouragement is. That's where the hope is. In what God has said is true for you in Christ. That's what you have to look for. The hope, the encouragement is not in what you have promised God, but what He has promised you. You tracking with that? It's not in what you vow to God. It's what he has vowed to you. That's where you find encouragement. That's where you find hope. How many promises have you broken? How many times have you said, I'll never do that? Whoops. How many times have you said, I'm going to read through the Bible in a year? Now, that's a whopper, usually. We don't make it, typically. How many times have you said, I'll pray for you, and you didn't? But God has never broken a promise. Every word of his proves true. You can't depend on your word. You need an external word from a God who keeps promises that are better than gold. They're sweeter than honey. That's what makes you a Christian. You just believe what God has said. The negative, yes, you are a sinner. You deserve death. You deserve eternal death. But even more, the good, the, the positive, the gospel. John 6, 40, for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. That's a promise. Maybe a thousand years, 500 years, we don't know, before Jesus was born, 
These saints believe the promise, and the promise leads them into his presence. When you believe the promises of God, it leads you into his presence. It's the doorway to his presence. Because I'm hearing him, I'm, I'm believing, I'm moving toward him in faith, into his presence, and I experience the joy and peace that he offers. So I'm just going to walk through the psalm, make some comments, but the first half, 1 through 10, is about our promises, okay, from a human side, and then 11 through 18 are God's promise from, a, from the divine side. That's how the psalm breaks up. So let's start in verse 1. Remember, O Lord, in David's favor all the hardships he endured. How he swore to the Lord, vowed to the mighty one of Jacob, I will not enter my house or get into my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. Context here is David's burden to build the temple. If you remember 2 Samuel 7, 1 Chronicles 22, David gets the ball rolling. He wants to build a house for the Lord. Prophet Nathan is telling him, yes, do that, good. But then God says, no, you won't actually build it. Solomon will, your son. But David had the burden. He's saying, why do I live in a palace of cedar when God lives in a tent? That doesn't make sense. That's not right. We need to do something about that. We need to address that. If anything, I should be in the tent. God should be in the palace. So he goes through these hardships. The, the Hebrew word we translate hardship really has a sense of depriving yourself, denying yourself. David denied himself comfort in pursuit of God's presence. I'm not going to sleep. I'm not going to eat. I'm not going to go in my house. I'm not going to go in my bed until I do this great thing for the Lord. Now, it might be a little hyperbole there, just poetically uh, expressing how he feels. I don't know that he literally did that. But you get the point. He's serious about God. He's serious about his presence. He, he recruited workers, stonecutters, masons, carpenters. He took up an offering. 100,000 talents of gold, 1 million talents of silver, uh, he imported the, the raw material like he got after it because his heart was consumed with being near God. He wanted to be near God. He wanted to glorify God. I'm not saying be just like David. You know, don't sleep until you do something great for the Lord. Some of you wouldn't last too long. You can't even make it through a movie. Okay, just I'm not saying that, but I say I think there's a principle here for us. How much are you willing to endure to get to God? How much are you willing to endure to get to God? You know, uh, getting to church is a beautiful act of faith. It is. It is. Uh, I remember when we were drowning in, in kids, uh, a pastor friend of ours said that to Carrie, and it was like life to her. Because, yes, thank you, because it feels so hard to get here on a Sunday. Like, it takes a lot of work. There's a lot of endurance needed, especially for a young family. you gotta, you got to get things ready the night before. You're telling the kids to get dressed. They go get dressed. Then they come back to you, and you're like, no, you can't wear a leotard, cowboy hat, and snow boots to church. It's, it, go back. Change. Hurry. 
you know, you, you, the car seat won't work, it won't tighten, you're late, you get here. Now, that's just getting here. And then you're here, okay? And it's like every time the, the, the music leader says time for children's church, you hear like hallelujahs, you know, from the parents. It's like it's hard. And then you go home and you're tired. Which makes sense. You just had concentrated communion with the God of the universe. He spoke to you. You spoke to him. You should be tired. I remember hearing Mark Dever, who preaches an hour. You can thank me later. Uh, and Sunday school is an hour. And, and somebody said to him, like, man, I just go home on Sunday and I'm, like, really tired. Like, yeah, you should be. That makes sense. Guys, prayer is tiring. If you feel tired after you pray, that means you did something right. It's tiring. It's energy consuming. You're enduring something in order to be in God's presence, and that is pleasing to Him. So just being here is pleasing to the Lord. He sees your faith. It is a great act of faith. I think as a church, we're in a healthy place in this regard. But let me just ask a question, and whatever the Spirit wants to do, He wants to do. For some of you, does it take very little to keep you from the Lord? I'm not feeling 100%. Um, I like to sleep in. I can sit in my chair and watch it online. The kids have something going on, a game, a practice, whatever. Same question for your devotional life. Is it easy for something to get in the way of time with the Lord? How serious are you about his presence? I want to be with God. I want to be near him. I want to be with him. I'm not saying be legalistic about it. You know, I have to do this in order to get his favor. No. You do it because you have his favor in Christ fully and forever. Why would you not want to be with this person? Corporately, privately. I was talking to a friend in our church recently. Um, he had a lot of family in town over a, a long weekend. And uh, Sunday morning, they're all enjoying each other's company. They're having breakfast. And uh, uh, it's getting time for church. And somebody says, can we just stay home? Man, it would be nice just to hang out here and we could just watch it. And we're all just comfortable. And he's like, nope. We're going. I want to be with my church family. I want to worship the Lord. Get ready. Now, number one, that's good leadership. Number two, it reveals a heart that is serious about being in God's presence. It would have been easy. No one would have batted an eye. Oh, you got family in town. It's fine. Not a big deal. But I think that's the heart that David has that's pleasing to the Lord. That's good. It's going to take a lot for me not to be here. It's going to take a lot for me not to be in my Bible today at some point. Again, you're not doing that in order to, like, get extra credit with God. You can't. You can't. Jesus got all the credit for you. There's no more to get. It's a response of gratitude, of love, as he has given you grace. 
how serious I am about time with God. Verse 6. Now, people of God throughout Israel hear that David's building a temple. This is happening. This is them hearing. Behold, we heard it, heard of it in Ephrathah. This is a common word for Bethlehem in the Hebrew. So it's a place that they were and that they heard the news. We found it in the fields of Jar, a shortened version of Kiriath-Jerim where the ark rested prior to coming to Jerusalem. Let us go to the dwelling place. Let us worship at his footstool. Arise, O Lord, and go to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. Let your priests be clothed with righteousness. Let your saints shout for joy. There's a hunger for God. For the sake of your servant David, do not turn away the face of your anointed one. Continue the Davidic line. Bring us the Messiah. And then verse 11, the psalm terms, the focus becomes on the promises of God. The Lord swore to David a sure oath from which he will not turn back. One of the sons of your body I will set on your throne. If your sons keep my covenant and my testimonies that I teach them, their sons also forever shall sit on your throne. So it's interesting here, God is making a sure oath. Nothing will stop me from fulfilling this. Nothing will stop one of your sons from becoming king, I promise. Except if they don't keep my covenant. Unless they disobey me. Interesting. Promise, sure oath, it's going to happen, but there's an if. If, well, how did David do? Wasn't exactly a choir boy, uh, pretty good. And it gets better for a while. Solomon did pretty well until he got married 700 times. That was an issue. Uh, he's the only one in the history of the world who could afford that many weddings. Uh, and just in case he had some marital strife, I don't know why he would, he had 300 concubines. Okay, so that was not good. First King says, his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully true to the Lord his God. So immediately, we have problems if this covenant is going to happen, if this greater anointed one is going to come. I kind of thought it might be Solomon. And, and folks, it just goes downhill from there. Uh, Jeroboam, Rehoboam are a disaster. They split the kingdom. No one comes close to keeping the covenant. No one comes close to obeying God. It's like a bad reality show. The real kings of Israel. It's not good. And as you walk down the hallway of history and you're looking for that king to come, one door closes, then another, then another, then another. And we're waiting. Where's the king you promised? And for 500 years, there's no king. There's nobody. God goes silent. And then at the end of the hallway, there's one more door. And over that door, it says, the word became flesh. And God opens it when the fullness of time had come. He remembers his covenant with David. He, he produces a son of David's line. Matthew tells us Joseph was in David's line, in his genealogy. And it's not just any son. It's not just another son. It's the very son of God. The only one 
who could fulfill the covenant as a human being, but perfectly do the will of God because he is God. Jesus, when we talk about him as the word of God, he is the very fulfillment, the very essence, the very amen to the promise. He is the promise and he is the fulfillment of the promise. So the point I want to make is it's not just blind faith. Can I just tell you that like, if you believe in Jesus, it is not blind faith. Don't ever let someone say that to you. It's not. It's not pie in the sky religion. It's concrete, tangible, real. God promised something and then it happened. He prophesied thousands of years before and then it happened. <laughs> that We're so used to hearing that. It's like, oh yeah. That's amazing. That should be rock solid for you. What do you put your faith in? What do you build your life on? There's nothing else worthy of building your life on than this. You can count on it. It's underneath you. It's solid. It's real. Whatever else you might build your life on, and some of you are building it on something else, you will lose it. It will fail you. It will turn out to be sinking sand under your feet. This is solid. This is solid. Jesus Christ truly lived, died a sacrificial death, and rose on the third day. That is evident evidentiary truth. You cannot dismiss it. You cannot doubt it unless you have a lot of faith. It takes a lot more faith to doubt the person and work and resurrection of Jesus Christ than it does to believe in it. So don't let people put you in that box as a Christian. You're not a kook. You're not crazy. We're just believing the truth of who God is and what he's done. Verse 13. And as I read this, listen to God's initiative in making promises to you. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. I will dwell where I have desired it. I will abundantly bless her provisions. I will satisfy her poor with bread. Her priests I will clothe with salvation. Her saints will shout for joy. There I will make a horn to sprout for David. Clear prophecy of Jesus. Royal power flourishing in his hands. I have prepared a lamp for my anointed. His enemies I will clothe with shame. And on him his crown will shine. Isn't it encouraging to hear God's initiative? My goodness, does he love you. Let me just say, the story of the Bible is not us pursuing God. The story of the Bible is God pursuing us. As we run from him, as fast as we can. Aren't you grateful for God's pursuit of you? His initiative 
chasing you down with his promises. Oh, no, I'll get you. (laughs) You can run, but you can't hide from me. I will change your heart. I will make my very great and precious promises sweet to you because they are. You just can't see it in your sin. So I will make that happen because I love you. Such good news. Jesus is going to wear a crown. Jesus is wearing a crown. And in the crown are these jewels. And the jewels are the promises of God. Sweet. And friends, you're in a fight every day to believe that. You may not know that, but you're in a fight. If you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit, you're in a fight every day to believe the promises of God. Your flesh wants to believe the promises of sin. Sin is better. Sin is better. It's more attractive. This sin promises me whatever it is, comfort, success, approval, control, whatever it is. And the Spirit says, no, believe the promises of God. They're better. And it's a battle. That's the battle every day. I think it's a battle so often because you just don't feel like the promises of God are true for you. Can, can we say that? A lot of days, I don't feel this. I don't feel like this is true for me. I don't feel like that verse is true for me. I don't feel like that. You just said it to me, but I don't feel it. I don't feel it. Does it seem true? Feelings are real. They're legitimate. They're important. But the question is, will you let them have the last word? Will you let how you feel, and it may be very legitimate. There may have been hard things happening in your life, sin done to you. You're struggling. It's real. But will you let your feelings have the last word, or will you let God have the last word? That's the question. Will you let your feelings steal your joy by drowning out God's voice? That like white noise, you can't hear it. So what are you feeling like today? How you doing? Whatever it is, God has a promise for you. He knows you need them. He knows you need them. You need to hear it again and again and again. Um, This is why we come back every Sunday. This is why we want to choose good songs that that get the promises and the word of God into you. This is why we do things outside of Sunday. Because we need to hear it again and again. Our flesh tells us, no, it's not true for you. might be true for them, but not true for you. So let me just read you some promises depending on how you're feeling. And I love that Noah went this direction this morning. We did not talk about this. And I was actually really hoping that every promise he named was one that I didn't name. Because there are so many, and it was almost it was almost there. So, you know, maybe if I would have prayed a little bit more this week, that would have happened. Because it would have preached really nice. But it was almost true. Like, what did he name? Ten? And I got like ten? And there's almost no overlap. There are so many promises in God's Word. Are you feeling worried about the future? And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. That's where you go. Are you feeling like life isn't going to get any better? 
can't see it. I can't see how that's going to happen. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 23, 6. Are you feeling like God is holding out on you? Something in your life is not fair. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? feel like God's abandoned you. You feel alone. I am with you always to the end of the age, Matthew 28, 20. Do you feel like God doesn't really love you? This is a huge one for Christians. You'd think it wouldn't be, but it is. How could he love someone so inadequate, so frustrating, so difficult as me. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 8.39 For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. I will gather you who mourn to the appointed festivals, and you will be disgraced no more. Zephaniah 3. Do you feel like you're not where you should be in the Christian life? I should be more mature by now. I shouldn't be struggling with this. I am sure of this. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Philippians 1, 1, 6. You're exactly where you're supposed to be. Keep pressing on. Keep working out your salvation with fear and trembling. You're exactly where you're supposed to be. Do you feel like God's not helping you in a struggle? Lust, impatience, pride. For sin will have no dominion over you. Since you are not under law but under grace, Romans 6.14. Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Galatians 5. That's a promise. You just feel discouraged. Maybe you're not even sure why. That's okay. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go prepare a place for you, will, I will come again. And I will take you to myself that where I am, you may also be. Even if life doesn't get a lot better, you got that to look forward to. That's pretty good. Are you angry and bitter because something was done to you that hurt, that was evil, that was wrong? Leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Romans 12, 19. It's a promise. Every sin gets dealt with. No one gets away with anything, whether it's on the cross or it's in hell. Behold, I am making all things new. Revelation 21, 5. 
I could go on and on and on. Are, are you, I mean, I hope you're feeling that this morning for what you need, but I hope it's also teaching you where to go. I heard a great story. Spurgeon, toward the end of his life, he's dealing with all kinds of issues, troubles. He has gout, which I've heard is very painful. doesn't sound good just to say that word sounds very painful. Uh, kidney disease he had at the time. His wife, Susanna, was very sick. He's engaged in a, a, a theological controversy. He's getting criticized openly, publicly in the papers. Um, he doesn't have many people on his side. You know what that feels like. It's not fun. And he's going through all this, and what does he decide to do? He decides to write a book on the promises of God. The checkbook of the bank of faith, he called it. Got it for one of my daughters because she was struggling at the time to remember and feel the promises of God. But his instinct, his instinct, everything is going wrong. I don't, I'm depressed. He was depressed. Where do I go? I go to the promises of God. Now, most of us are not going to go write a book on the promise. Just go to the promises of God. But that was his instinct. I need the promises of God to come home to me again. And that's where we have to go. Hear the good news. You are not trapped by your feelings. You are not enslaved to them. They are real. They are legitimate. Pay attention to them. Yes. But you have very great and precious promises that God has given you so you will be blessed abundantly. You will be clothed in salvation through them. You will experience the joy of his presence. Those promises will lead you into the presence of God as you receive them with faith. It's true. I hope you believe it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truth that you are a speaking God. You are not like an idol, mute, dumb. Lord, you are active. You are living. You are speaking. So many promises that the Old Testament saints anticipated being fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Some have been fulfilled. Some are waiting to be fulfilled. We're waiting for him to return. And we say, come, Lord Jesus, come. We're ready. We're so ready. But Lord, I pray that in the meantime, while we wait, as we sojourn, as we are on this pilgrimage to your dwelling place forever, that you would give us faith to believe the promises. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.